Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John chapter 18, we find the well-known account of Jesus standing before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. The religious leaders handed Jesus over to him and asked that he be crucified. After speaking with Jesus, Pilate knows that he is completely innocent and there is no basis for any charge against him whatsoever. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 18 and look at the quiet, peaceful, powerful authority of Jesus Christ our Lord even when he is shackled and standing before the Roman governor. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Sunday afternoon here in Texas and hopefully y'all are just rocking for Jesus, just spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love them, Corinne, right? When you love somebody, you spend time with them, Stephen, okay? You give them your time, and it's, it's the same with Jesus. You spend time doing the work that Jesus has given you to do. All of us as Christians are called to be ministers. That's not what what all of us are called to do for a living, but all of us are, as Christians are called to be ministers. We're all called to advance the kingdom of God and share the goodness and love of Jesus Christ and to serve the people of Jesus with our time, our talents, and our treasures, our money, right? Um, and man, so again, you just, you spend time with Jesus, number one, by spending time in the Bible. And that's that's why we do what we do here. We, we teach the Bible verse by verse. Um, and, and again, when you just, when you study the Bible verse by verse, when you read the scriptures, when you're just washed in the water of the word, right, Riley, you're, uh, you know, you're just spending time with Jesus. When you, when you pray, you're spending time with Jesus. When you praise and worship him, you're spending time with Jesus. When you spend time in Thanksgiving, just thanking him for all the incredible blessings in your life, you're spending time with Jesus. And when you, when you repent, of areas of your life that are out of place, you're spending time with Jesus. And of course, when you deliberately obey the word of God, when you deliberately do what the scriptures tell you to do, you do that in faith and, and, and you're spending time with Jesus, right? And I'll, as I say every time, or almost every time, there's nothing more edifying in our life. There's nothing more beneficial in our life than growing to know Jesus. So Thank you, Lord Jesus. Today, we're going to, Lord willing, finish up John chapter 18. We have verses uh, 28 through 40. Um, just, just, just heavy stuff. I mean, Jesus now is going to be taken before the, the Roman governor, uh, Pontius Pilate, and it's just a, uh, an incredible scene is going to unfold here. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor and your goodness on our lives. We thank you for your love. Father, we thank you that we have this word of God. We thank you that you've given us our Bibles. We thank you that we have the scriptures, Father, to feed our soul. And Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us, for dying a torturous death for us, we thank you that you are alive and risen today, and we worship you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. 
We thank you for your goodness on our life. Give us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear him. Open our hearts to your word now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. John 18, verses 28 to 40. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. It's incredible. Um you know, that just, just this whole, just how all of this unfolds in this account is just, is just truly remarkable. You know, I think it's in, is it in Matthew 27? Um, I thought it was in the beginning of Matthew 27, where they, you know, where the, the chief priests and the, uh, the teachers of the law, they, they persuade the crowd to ask Pilate to, to release uh, a murderer, right? And Barabbas, instead of Jesus, who Pilate just said, Pilate, let's look at what Pilate said here. He says in, uh, in verse 38, I find no basis for a charge against him. They're actually asking for Jesus to be put to death and he can't find a basis for any charge against him at all. I mean, it's, uh, it's remarkable. And he says in verse 39, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover, um, you know, in an act of mercy, right? And, uh, and so naturally, you know, Pilate is trying to get out of this situation. He knows that Jesus has literally done nothing wrong, let alone anything deserving of death. 
And he says, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Now in John's gospel, it says they shouted back, no, not him, give us Barabbas. Um, and then it says now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Um, but in Matthew 27, it says, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, Matthew 27, 19, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Verse 20. So it was the religious leaders, because if the crowd had just, you know, shouted and overcome the voices of the, the religious leaders, then, you know, Pilate would have released Jesus, knowing that he had not, hadn't done anything wrong. And then his wife says to Pilate that, you know, she has suffered and not to, you know, not to make sure you don't do anything wrong to Jesus, right? She, saw, she said she had suffered a great deal in a dream, right? Matthew 27, 20, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Um, it, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's remarkable um, that, that, and then it says in verse 26, then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Um, and, and in Mark, I believe it's in Mark 15, I'll go there real quick. I believe in Mark 15, it says, is where it tells us that Barabbas was a, uh, verse Mark 15, verses six and seven. Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested, a man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Verse 9, Mark 15, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. Verse 12, what shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked him, crucify him, they shouted. So again, out of such envy, out of such jealousy, out of such just raw evil, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders whose responsibility is, is their responsibility, it's our responsibility as ministers to to serve Christ, they are so self-serving, so jaded toward Jesus, and he, he's done literally nothing wrong, but they ask that uh, a murderer be released. When I was studying for this, the, uh, the scholar said that the cross that Jesus was crucified on was, was, uh, was probably built for Barabbas because again Barabbas was in prison he was he was uh being prepared to be executed for murder and so the cross that was it was already built and it was probably built for Barabbas 
but Barabbas was released and that cross Jesus was, was nailed on. So it's an incomprehensible thing. Um, you know, some, some scholars believe that, uh, that perhaps Barabbas came to faith in Christ. Literally, Jesus took Barabbas's place on the cross. Barabbas deserved to die for murder. And that's a picture for all of us, all right? Every single one of us is in one way or another a Barabbas. Every single one of us deserve death, eternal punishment, separation from the triune God in hell for all eternity. That's what we deserve. But Jesus went to the cross in our place. Again, he literally took the cross, almost certainly, that was meant for Barabbas, but he took the cross for you and he took the cross for me. He died in our place and he was punished in our place. Then the Bible also says in 1 Peter 3 that he went to hell, right? Now, again, he didn't suffer in hell. No mistake. Jesus conquered hell, right? You remember in Philippians 2, it says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus died in our place. He was punished in our place, went to the cross in our place, suffered in our place. That's what we deserved as sinful people, right? So all of us are like Barabbas in this, in that Jesus took our place in giving his life on the cross, a cross that we deserved, but Jesus took it for us. And as I said, some scholars believe that, that in hope, you know, we're not told this, that Barabbas would have become a Christian and given his life to Christ, right? Um, obviously, that would have been the only reasonable response for Barabbas because Barabbas was headed for execution on a torturous cross. But as events unfolded, he was released and Jesus took that cross, not only for Barabbas, but for all of us. So I'll ask you, have, have you received Jesus Christ? for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, right? A Christian is someone who's currently trusting in Jesus Christ, relying on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul, and to escape eternal hell. That can only happen in Jesus. The Bible's unambiguous. Jesus of his own words in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Are you trusting and relying on Jesus alone today, right? Do you have faith in Christ alone for your salvation? If you're not sure, you simply can humble yourself before Jesus right now. Humble yourself and, and simply go before him and say, Lord Jesus, I confess I am a sinful person. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong, Lord. But Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe that you did and come and, and live a perfect life for me in this world. And I do believe that you did come and die on the cross for me, a death I should have died and a punishment I should have had. 
Lord Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart now and to be the Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, I humble myself before you and I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Come and live in my heart, Lord Jesus. I humbly ask you and save me from my sin. That's how you become a Christian. Now, it's important you understand it's, it's not those words that save us. Use the words, but it's the sincerity, the genuineness of your heart that, that matters. Uh, you know, we communicate, obviously, with our words, but it's, it's the reality of you understanding your sinful condition, believing the Bible when it says in Romans 3.23 that all human beings are sinful. We all need a savior. We're all hopeless, helpless, and desperate, headed to hell. And out of that heart, out of that understanding, you humble yourself and you give your life to Jesus and you ask him to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin and to bring you to heaven when you die, placing your full faith, trust, and confidence in him alone. That's how you become a Christian, right? Remember, I'll say again, all of us are a Barabbas. All of us are at some level murderers, thieves, liars, right? Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's obviously not all of us have committed physical murder, right? But, but Jesus said that, you know, we can, we can, we can murder people in our hearts with our disdain and our anger and our bitterness against him, right? Um, it's, uh, you know, you know, just as a, I'll give you an example of this here in this, the famous Sermon on the Mount, right? Where, where Jesus says here in, um, in Matthew chapter five, verse 21, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, be in danger of the fire of hell. So, you know, what Jesus is speaking about here is that, you know, you know you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders is subject to judgment. And he there, the Old Testament talked about physical murder, but Jesus was taking it to a different level when he was talking about just the, the, the bitterness and the disdain and the malice in our hearts. We're due the same judgment for that. And that's why we need a savior. I mean, so many people in this world are standing on the fact that they don't think they're that bad. One of the biggest impediments to people coming to Christ, and one of the biggest impediments to people growing in Christ, May, is we don't know how bad we really are. If you're having trouble forgiving someone, doesn't matter what they did, okay? If you're having trouble forgiving someone, okay, or you believe that you can't forgive someone, there is an aspect of your life that you don't know how bad and selfish and self-serving you really are and how bad I really am. 
the debt that Jesus paid for us at the cross for the forgiveness of our sins is infinitely heavier and bigger, Esther, than any wrong imaginable that could ever be done to us in a hundred lifetimes. Does that make sense? The debt that Jesus paid for our sin at the cross was so weighty that no matter a hundred lifetimes, evil could be done to us and it wouldn't come close to that debt of sin that he paid on our behalf. We need a savior because we are desperately wicked, right? The Bible is clear that humanity is, 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 is all fallen in a horrible way. Paul outlines this incredible list in Romans chapter 3. And it's just, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Look at what he says here in Romans 3. I'm going to start reading in verse, um, in verse 10. Romans 3 verse 10. This is Paul speaking. And Paul's writing here. He's going to quote all of these verses to show that every human being is horribly sinful. Listen to this. Romans 3 verse 10, Uncle Dennis. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Verse 11. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have, to, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is a list condemning every human being that's ever lived as just a a wretched sinner that's in desperate need of a savior of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So again, all of us are a Barabbas. All Jesus took the cross for Barabbas and he's taken the cross for each of us. If you haven't, if you're not sure you've given your life to Jesus, rewind the tape, use the words I use. But again, it's the genuineness and the sincerity of your heart and really knowing your need of Jesus, humbling yourself and asking him to save you, right? All right. So in verse 28, you know, we, we, we kind of went backwards up this time. But in verse 28, it says, Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning. This is amazing. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So this is remarkable. Just, just check this out, right? I mean, look at this, Leah. By now it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, you see, if we go into the palace, we will be kind of ceremonial unclean, and then we don't want to, then we won't be able to eat the Passover meal. So they have no concern that they have diabolically in, a, in, a, in an inconceivable manner, betrayed an innocent man, God, in Jesus, they have, with, with, with the darkest of possible hearts, completely betrayed Jesus, just totally made everything up, right? They, 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 they have done an inconceivable wicked thing. 
And they got no problem with all that. But you know what? I, I can't go into the palace because then I'll I'll have this ceremonial uncleanness about me. Talk about a busted conscience, right? The, the more that we walk in disobedience, the more our conscience can be numb to evil. And make no mistake, we, we behave this way as Christians, right? I mean, seriously, why are you worried about ceremonial uncleanness? Because then that's going to affect, you know, you know, the Bible says on how you eat the Passover meal, right? So you're, you're concerned about that, that tiny sin and wrong, but yet you're going to full blown have this man murdered, tortured, crucified, abused, who's not only never done anything wrong whatsoever, but has has given love to the world like it's never been seen. And you're doing that out of your own jealousy and envy and bitterness. And save the grace of God. I mean, how often we can walk in this as believers, Father, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive us, Lord, when we just, uh, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, Lord, help us and cleanse us of this unrighteousness, Lord, where we, you know, where, where, where we'll ignore oftentimes just, just, just absurd, you know, uh, disobedience in our life. But, you know, but yet we'll, we'll go out of our way to, uh, you know, to make sure we don't, we don't miss some little religious activity, Lord. So Lord, I just ask you to help us, help us to be, um, Lord, just, just, just help us to repent, Father. We thank you for your mercy. Forgive us, Lord, where we act as Christians, as leaders, as ministers, like these religious leaders, Father. Verse 29. So Pilate came out to them. Okay, they don't want to go in. We can't go on this, you know, um, you know, we don't we want to avoid the uncleanness, so we can't enter the palace. So verse 29. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? Now look at their answer. So what charges? You want him to be sentenced to death, okay? That's a big deal. Even then it was a big deal. So he comes out and says, what charges are you bringing against this man? Verse 30, this is, this is their charges. Verse 30, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. You notice there is no charge there whatsoever, right? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Okay. Now later in the other gospels, you know, they're going to make up some charges and say things like this. But to this, they reply to him. They give no charge at all. They just said, um, you need to take our word for it because, you know, we know what we're doing and we're the religious leaders before God. And I'm telling you, that spirit is alive and well in the world today. Don't ever. Okay. Uh, if anyone claiming to be a minister of any way, is telling you something they need to show you in the word of God, okay? It needs to be shown in the word of God and it needs to be shown in the word of God with care, okay? Uh, the minister in themselves, myself, any other pastor, teacher, elder, deacon, apostle has no authority in themselves. We have no authority in ourselves. Our only authority is in the word of God and in the son of God. That is it. 
There is no spiritual authority beyond that. Our authority and our responsibility as ministers is to drive people to the Son of God and to drive them to the Word of God and to grow in their relationship with Jesus. I've said this before. Our job as ministers should make to be to make ourselves unnecessary, okay? That that the people are growing so much in Christ that they themselves are out making disciples and teaching and preaching and pastoring and doing all that stuff, right? So again, no, you don't take any minister's word for it, okay? Any counsel needs to be backed up in the scriptures. It needs to be backed up by the word of God, the love of God, the character of God, okay? Now again, when, when you go through the scriptures, again, we can always by principle see the heart of God or the will of God in a manner, right? Now, again, um, something is to say like, you know, is the Lord calling you to become a missionary and, and go to Ukraine? Okay, now, obviously the Bible doesn't say that, but yet there are principles throughout the Bible that, that will dictate for us whether or not the Lord is calling you to do that. That's obviously something we would pray about. But we would before we even prayed, you know, uh, I would want to find out, you know, how much, how much mission work do you do here? Okay, what do I mean by that? If you don't talk about Jesus here, if you have no heart to win the lost here, if you're never evangelizing here, if Jesus is never on your tongue here, then no, the Lord is not calling you to be a missionary in Ukraine because if you don't do it here in your day-to-day -day life, the Lord is certainly not calling you to do it on the mission field, okay? So again, and these are the kind of principles that are just sensible biblical principles that are in the word of God, right? Um, so, and then, and then again, we would, we would seek other things in the scriptures to see if, if your heart is in a place and if, if you're personally in a place. I have a sister, Ireland, that's actually going over to, to Poland and she's going to be, um, you know, she's going to be helping the refugees in Poland. But I mean, this is a young woman who's following Christ. Her heart is after Christ. She's already been, I don't know, where was it, Ireland? Was it out in Dubai or something? Um, I'm trying to think where you were. I thought it was Dubai, right? Um, and now she's, you know, got this opportunity. I think the ministry's called Acts of Mercy. And they're going to go out and uh, and just serve the the refugees. Now, her heart is in line. You know, she has all the things in line biblically. So there's no question that, you know, that, that yes, that the Lord is calling her and is blessing her to go and, and serve the Ukrainian people in the name of Jesus and to be a blessing to those who've been displaced, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, this idea, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. No, you, you don't take man's word or woman's word. <laughs> right, Corinne? You, 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 you show me in the scriptures, okay? Show me in the word of God. Now, any, any pastor or elder or deacon or, you know, any, any, any teacher, right? Any Christian leader ought to do this on their own, okay? They ought to be showing you in the word of God while they're counseling you or correcting you or rebuking you on a, on a certain matter, right? It ought to be plain in the scriptures. All right. Um, verse 31. So they said in 30, if you were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Verse 31, Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him. 
by your own law. He knows that Jesus hasn't really done anything, right? But we have no right to execute anyone. The Jews objected. So again, we already read earlier, Pilate said, I find no basis for any charge against him, but yet they want a charge of execution. And the Jews are saying that the Roman government doesn't allow us to execute people. And so, you know, we need you to execute him. Right now, the Bible, you know, did give rules for stoning and execution, but the Roman authorities took that power away from them is what the religious leaders are saying. So when Pilate in verse 31 says, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law, they said we already have, which they never did anything. Right. They never legitimately did anything. Um, they just they lied. They manipulated. They made everything up. They, they had people come before and lie in the other Gospels, right? They say, but we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. Verse 32, this happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. If the Jews had executed Jesus, they would have stoned him to death. That would have been the manner of execution as he would have been stoned to death. And so when the, when the Jews say we have no right to execute anyone, it was determined in the providence of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that Jesus dying for the sin of the world needed to happen on a cross, right? It needed to happen in this horrible, torturous method of crucifixion, where certainly stoning would have been a mercy, right? Stoning is horrible, but, you know, when... When, when, when 30 people are, are throwing five-pound stones at your head, right, it, it isn't going to take but one or two hits, and you're going to be knocked out, and then you're going to be killed, right? Um, where the crucifixion was a grueling, the most torturous, it was invented to be the most torturous death imaginable. So when it says in verse 32, this happened, meaning, meaning Pilate says, you judge him, and then if they, if they did judge him and stone him, then he wouldn't have died by crucifixion. And so verse 32, John says, this happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. And that is when Jesus said, you know, I'll be lifted up, you know, and, and crucified, right? Jesus predicted that. He knew how he was going to die. Um, verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Now, history scholars say, as I was studying for this, that history had Pilate as a, a very evil, self-serving, insecure man, um, you know, uh, looking out for himself, you know, and, and just, just just a horrible man um, is what you know, non, you know, just non-biblical accounts have him as a cruel man, right? So he goes to Jesus and, and he asks him, so he's just going to question him because, you know, I read you in the other gospel where his wife had said that, you know, she's been suffering in a dream and he knows that Jesus hasn't done anything wrong, but he just doesn't want to deal with this, right? So he asks him this question, are you the king of the Jews? And, uh, you know, he doesn't believe any of this, right? He just believes it's all religious nonsense. So he says, are you the king of the Jews? Verse 34, Jesus answers, 
Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? And so, you know, you got you want to imagine here. You want to try to try to, you know, picture the situation. Pilate is used to standing before hardened criminals. He's used to standing before belligerent, obstinate people, right? He's he's used to he's used to dealing with people that 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 are that are again murderous, horrible criminals, right? So he has experience in all this. But in dealing with Jesus, he's experiencing something different now. Okay? He's not a fool. Pilate's a smart man, and he can tell that this is not, this guy right here is not like any of the others that come and stand before me, right? There's no bitterness in him, there's no malice in him. There's there's actually this, this, you know, this uh this controlled authority, let's call it, in Jesus. That he's kind of a little taken back with, right? It's like, this is not how people act when they're standing before Pilate. And, and Pilate, you know, can has the power to have them crucified, killed, or released, right? And so Jesus has this certain controlled authority. He's speaking in ways that Pilate doesn't even understand. And so when Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? Verse 34, is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? <laughs> so again, it's not a question. You know, Pilate's not used to being dealt with in this way. Jesus is actually speaking to Pilate like he's the authority. And Jesus is the authority. Pilate's not used to this. Pilate doesn't understand the confidence of Jesus. Just again, the controlled, steadfast, calm, peaceful authority. And, 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 and it's got him backing up a little bit, right? But he's going to be learning. He can see why the Jews don't like this guy, right? Because, you know, this is not how people act, right? I've said this over and over. Jesus Christ is just, when you get to know Jesus and you spend time with Jesus and you study the scripture, he's just the, he's the coolest guy there's ever been. Now he's the most loving, he's God. But, but look at the coolness of Jesus. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did, did others talk to you about me? Well, of course, it's not his own idea. So in verse 35, Pilate says, am I a Jew? Pilate replied, it was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Look at, look at 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus is standing before the Roman governor. Shortly he knows he'll be turned over to be tortured and crucified. Right? When Pilate says, what is it you have done? And Pilate says that your chief priests, your people, your leaders handed you over to me because he knows Jesus is a Jew, right? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Okay, so number one, get a hold of that. Jesus's kingdom is not from this world. It's, it's the kingdom of heaven, right? Now, it certainly has authority on this, on this earth. And look at the reasoning he says. If it were, if my kingdom were of this world, if Jesus had established 
his kingdom and his authority entirely over the earth as he will one day, Lord willing, soon do. Right, Scott? If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. So Jesus is, again, reasoning with them. He's cool. He's collected. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. Like, again, if if I was going to, if Jesus had in mind to have an earthly kingdom, he makes it clear to Pilate, you know, this wouldn't have happened. And Pilate even understands what he's saying. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, um, you know, there would have been a, you know, there would have been a brawl, but Pilate had approved the Roman you know, the 600 Roman soldiers to go with the Jews to arrest Jesus. Jesus went with them willingly, right? Jesus says, but now my kingdom is from another place. And so now listen, Pilate's hearing this and he's like, okay. Jesus said, but my, but now my kingdom is from another place, right? Jesus came from heaven and his kingdom is the kingdom of heaven and he's the king. Verse 37, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Listen to the gravity of that statement. Again, it's it's morning, it says, right? We just read that it's, it was early morning. Um, Jesus is going to be, you know, crucified here and taken um, and beaten. Um, you know, he's going to be nailed to the cross here. And, you know, who knows what it is, seven hours? We don't know how far, how far it is. But um, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying, I am a king. Now listen to his words. You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Jesus always tells the truth. And look at his next statement. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Did you hear those words? Everyone on the side of truth listens to me, Peyton. The words of Jesus. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. If you do not listen to Jesus, if you do not have a lifestyle pop of spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, listening to the word of Jesus, obeying the word of Jesus, then you're not on the side of truth. You cannot be on the side of truth without listening to Jesus, Jose. Because Jesus said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus said he came into the world to testify to the truth. And, it, and it's our job. I mean, he modeled that for us. And that's our job as well. Not just as ministers, as all believers. It's our job made to testify to the truth. To the truth of who Jesus is to all he's done, to how we need him for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, and to how we're to live for him and love him, knowing his love for us. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. 
Again, Pilate has never conceived of a prisoner standing before him, speaking to him like this. But again, undoubtedly listening to Jesus, again, Pilate knows the manipulative ways of all this. He himself walks in him. And so, you know, he could see why that, you know, the Jews are thrown off because of Jesus, right? He could see why they don't like him because there's just something about Jesus that's so, again, there's such a, a controlled, peaceful power and authority. It's really unnerving to Pilate, right? Um, and clearly he could see that the Jews are unnerved by this guy. Jesus says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Verse 38, and this, is a, this was a, a, a do or die moment for Pilate. Pilate should have said, you know, I'm listening to you. You are the Lord. You're the boss. But instead, Pilate says, what is truth? And do you see that? You know, the scholars I was reading was saying that to, to Pilate, truth was the size of your army. Pilate was, to Pilate, truth was, you know, the power of his military. Truth was the authority he had and the power he had as governor, right? And, and that's, again, uh, for most of us, not only as people, but even as believers, all right? Truth for us is often tied up in, in, our, in, our, in our worldly authority, our worldly accomplishments. Pilate says, what, what is truth? Truth is listening to Jesus, obeying Jesus, giving your life to Jesus, first for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul and to escape eternal hell, and then to continue to give your life to him moment by moment, day by day, and live for him and grow to know him and walk with him and love him, right? What is truth, Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. And this is where we started this teaching. I find no basis for, for any charge against him. So again, they're bringing him, the, the, the religious leaders brought Jesus to Pilate to execute him. He cannot find any basis for any charge against him whatsoever. And again, Pilate is skilled at doing this. He's never seen anything like this. I find no basis for a charge against him. We already said 39 and 40 but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. We already talked about it. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love, Father. We just we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for this book. We thank you for John 18. The Father, above all, as always, we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness and love in our lives. Lord, we thank you for giving your life for us. We thank you for being tortured for us and punished for us, crucified for us, flogged for us. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for giving your life for us, Lord Jesus, and we worship you and thank you and praise you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us, seal these verses and this message to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.